I heard of a lady named Gladys Dunn. Uh, she went to a church. She was sitting through the most boring sermon ever and uh, in the history of the church. And half the congregation fell asleep. And uh, a few minutes after church, she walks up to a, a guest, first-time guest, stuck out her hand and said, Hi, hi, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Gladys Dunn. And he, he said, You're not the only one, believe me. And um, so if, if Gladys is here, just, just don't say, okay, Gladys, just stay away from all the guests, okay? Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm, <laughs> hallelujah, I won't keep you long. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan and in the 20th year of King, well, there you go, I'm just going to let you pronounce that one. Because you can rehearse this for days. You can call it out and play it audio online, and then when you get ready to say it in front of people, you can't pronounce it. But the king, somebody say the king. When wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face so sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. And said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to Nehemiah, the queen also sitting beside him, how long will your journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Verse 7, furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah and a letter to Asaph the keeper of the king's forest that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel which pertains to the temple for the city wall and for the house that I will occupy and the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me somebody say the good hand of God then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me when Sanballat and Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of it. They were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. Can you say amen to the... Re oh, come on, shout out amen. question for you. What would people lose if they lost you? What would they lose? How are you affecting the life of somebody other than yours? That's the question. It's a tough one, isn't it? When God gives you gifts, do you think he gave you the gift just for you? If God gave you a voice to sing, do you think he gave you the voice for you to sing just in the shower or in the car? Whatever God gave you, 
He gave it to you to affect somebody besides yourself. You have to realize this because we are purposefully positioned. And Nehemiah in his introduction to us is already learning to live his life beyond himself. The king already understood the king's father had been poisoned. Nehemiah had faced death every day. It was clear to him. He understood quite clearly what was going on in his life. And while he has decided to stay behind and not go back to Israel and not go back to Jerusalem, he has not lost his compassion for Jerusalem. Somebody say compassion. Now watch this. In the previous chapter, somebody has come to him on his job and said, have you heard about what's going on back home? Have you heard about, have you heard about everything back home? Everybody that went back home, they're back home, but things aren't cool, things aren't good. The houses have collapsed. They're living there and they're doing the best they can, but the whole place is in ruins and the economy is poor and people are struggling and the walls of Jerusalem are lying in ruins and the gates have been burned with fire and everything has been destroyed. And now, the person who told him, told him and just walked away. But Nehemiah couldn't get this out of his head, what he was supposed to do about this. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing how both of us can be exposed to the same information? It bothers one person, and it doesn't bother another person at all. Have you ever noticed that? It's almost like somebody living in a messy room. Some people are happy in a messy room. It doesn't bother them to be in a messy room, but it drives you crazy to be in a messy room. Kim, you should have shouted amen. You got you to preach with me over there, okay? You see, the things that drive you crazy are the things you have the power to change. If you've been looking for your purpose Look at your passions. Not just what you like, but what you don't like. What you can't stand to see is a clue. Not that they shouldn't do something, but that you should do something. Now, Nehemiah has nothing to do with him. He's set for life. Nehemiah said, he works for the king. He didn't work for the cobbler. He, didn't, he wasn't out there making shoes. He didn't work for the carpenter. He doesn't work for the coppersmith. This boy is working for the king. He's set. And he goes on a fast. And he stops eating because he's worried about something that's bigger than him. I don't care whether you're 30, you're 40, 50, 60 years old, 10, it doesn't matter. Until you have been worried about something bigger than you, you have not yet lived. Until your prayer life has gone beyond you and you're four and no more, you're not an intercessor. Until you've gone to bed troubled and tossed and turning about something that you didn't see how in the world you're going to face tomorrow, but it bothered you. Until you experience that, you're not really living, you're just existing. So Nehemiah is troubled, right? Where other people are comfortable. You know what makes, you know what makes great people great? It's when you're troubled about what makes other people comfortable. Stay with me for a moment. I, I very seldom fly off the handle. 
something that really irritates me is when leaders around me see something that needs attention and yet they remain indifferent about something that I think is extremely important. That really gets to me. So let me ask you a question today. What moves you? What moves you? What do you value? What are you willing to fight for? What will you put yourself at risk for? If, and if you can't answer that, you, you've not yet lived. You've just existed. We, we go back through history. John Lewis answered that. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. answered that. Gandhi answered that. Nelson Mandela answered that. All uh, of the heroes of our world because they were living for something bigger than themselves. Everybody worth talking about, every name you ever want to mention that really shook the world or shook their neighborhood or their community or even shook their children, their family, did it because they were living for something bigger than themselves. So we find Nehemiah, he's troubled, he's upset. He's disturbed in his spirit. And now it's gotten to the point that when he comes before the king, he's even fasted so and became so sad that the king says, you're not sick, but why do you look so sad? What troubles you to the point that it's noticeable? What troubles you? What is disturbing you? Does it matter to you? Does it matter? Does it matter I'm asking you today, does it matter that people are lost without Jesus in our community? Does it matter that people are dying? Call it whatever you want to call it. People are still dying. People are still losing loved ones. Does it matter that people around us are suffering? I know these seem like simple questions, but today we have to ask ourselves, High Point Church, these questions because we're living in a society today that doesn't seem to care that even hundreds of thousands of people are dead from a pandemic. You can no longer assume human compassion. We're living in the last days and the Bible said that the love of many will wax cold. One of the reasons that we have such coldness in the world is because we're living in the last days. The fact that people can see somebody shot down and just walk right past them because they have to get to work is a sign that something is wrong in our society. What has happened to us that we're not moved with other people's pain and other people's problem. Nehemiah is touched by the feeling of their infirmity. Not only was Nehemiah touched by it, because we're often touched by a lot of things, but we don't always do something about the things that we've been touched by. We leave that for the pastor. We leave that for the, the, the ministry team. Nehemiah was touched, you got to get this, to the point of action. Somebody say action. Don't tell me you care if you can't back it up with what you do. Oh, words are cheap, aren't they? You don't, you don't, oh, don't have a love for me if I don't get it. Don't, don't be concerned about me if you don't call me. I, I want to be able to see a, 
correlation between what you care about and what you're doing or you're just living for yourself. Oh, am I at the right church today? (laughs) I want to see you go out of your way for somebody other than you. I want you to see you sacrifice for something where you don't get a reward for it on earth. You just think it's important, so you're willing to sow into it. I want us to care enough about something that puts us on the line to say, I'm a bigger person. I'm bigger than that. I'm too big to live this small. I'm too big to live in a cage of comfort and never do anything with my life. I want to be a world shaker. I'm living for something bigger than me. Can you say amen? Why? Because we are purposely positioned. God has brought us to this building today to purposely position us. And he goes before the king, old Nehemiah, King says, your, your countenance has fallen. The Bible said he was afraid. And he had a right to be afraid because history says that this particular king had killed his brother to get his position. <laughs> he didn't take any foolishness. And the king said, why do you look so sad, kid? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And he says, I'm very much afraid. I'm very scared. See, you don't run up on the king any kind of way. All of a sudden, I realize that Nehemiah isn't working for the king alone. He's not working for the wine alone. He's been positioned for purpose. I said he's been positioned for purpose. Somebody I'm preaching to today, somebody who's going to watch this live stream later, you think you're there for that job. You think you're, you're there in that city. You think you're there in that country for that, just for that, that place for just to be there. But God has positioned you in your life, somebody say, for purpose. That's why you don't, oh, I may have, oh, I can't meddle. This isn't the church I pastor. I need to stay in my notes, don't I? That's why I can't move every time somebody says something that gets on my nerves. Because sometimes God didn't, put us there for the wine. He put us there for the influence. He's asking us, can you not suffer a little bit? God had put him at a place where he was kin to the Jews, but he worked for the Persians, (laughs) which made Nehemiah bilingual enough that he knew how to talk to the king and he knew how to talk to his own people. He starts a conversation off with the king. Oh, king, Live forever. Well, that's a good way. I'd say that's a good way to talk to the king. He wanted to know. He wanted him to know, I'm on your side, king. By the way, my people are in trouble. See, he knew how to approach him. He had been positioned for purpose. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but the Lord has sent me to High Point Church this weekend to tell you you have been positioned for purpose. Stop complaining about the temperature. Stop complaining that your desk is too small, that they don't recognize you at work, that they didn't print your name out on the door. God put you there for a purpose. And when the time is right, somebody say when the time is right, God's going to use you to influence and to make a change and to make a difference. Because you could get paid anywhere. 
God didn't send you there to get paid. He sent you there to make changes. He sent you there to make a difference. He sent you there to learn another language, another protocol, another methodology, another culture. See, an ability so that he can use you in an ambidextrous sort of way so that you won't be so limited. Some of us need to come out of our cocoon. You've been in your safety zone so long that you're about to just suffocate. God wants to put you in a place that scares you at a place where you're careful what you say, at a place where you have to study to be ready so that you can evolve. If you ever get exposed to greatness and go back home to weakness, you won't even feel at home anymore. It'll change you when you hear that they're talking about, when you hear that conversation, you used to think it was funny. Now you think it's irrelevant. Because God has put you, he's positioned you for purpose. And I believe God planted Nehemiah there. God knew he was going to need a man on the inside and he plants Nehemiah right there. And when the time was right, somebody say when the time was right, God troubled Nehemiah. And when he troubled him bad enough, he went in to see the king. And he said, king, how can I be happy when the land of my ancestors is suffering. He had to say the land of my ancestors because he had never really been there. In order for him to be young enough to do what he did, he had to be born in captivity. As they were in captivity for 70 years, but he still had respect for where he came from. Oh, I could spend all morning on that, but... I'm going to move on. I, I, I'm scared to even touch any of that right, right here. He had respect for where he came from. He wasn't neutralized by his faith so that he saw everybody in some uniform sort of way. He understood where he came from and he was there without denying his heritage. Don't, don't, listen, listen, listen now. Don't let anybody give you their Jesus at the expense of you losing your heritage. It's the difference between me teaching Christ and teaching culture. You don't have to give up your culture to accept Christ. You can be your culture. You can wear your hair your way. You can put your clothes on like you are. You can eat what you want to eat and still be a Christian. Hello. And when people start teaching you their culture instead of their Christianity, it's because they have a hidden agenda. Do you hear what I'm saying? Thank you. I'll preach to the kids if I have to. And there he is in this situation. He knows he has to do something. And the king asked, if I have found favor in any sight, he asked him. And Nehemiah says, if I have found favor in thy sight, O king, I need you to allow me to go back and to change my people. And God had given him favor with the king of Persia. Good God Almighty. Giving him favor. I, I tell you what, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm prophetic. I, don't, I, I like that vision, but God has, has prepared that property for a long, long time for you. He's just positioned you with purpose here. 
You may, you may not have to have a fundraiser and sell peanut brittle and wash cars. God knows what he's doing. He can give you that land. That land is his. That land is his. Let me move on. See, God's about to give you favor, and I'm in my notes. God's about to give you favor with somebody that you don't even have a right to have favor with that you're not even connected to. Do you not know sometimes God will give you more favor with people you're not related to than the people you are related to? God will use somebody to bless you that's unexpected. They just come out of left field. And the people you thought would be there to help you, hello, when you get in trouble, you can't find them anywhere. And somebody way out there from left field just comes in and hands you a blessing. Somebody's got your blessing. Look at somebody and say, my blessing's on the way. See, just because you don't have the money to do the job, just because you don't have the wood to build a building, because you don't have the resources, just because you don't have the degree to do what you're trying to do, God will use somebody to underwrite your blessing. Can you say hallelujah? If the vision is of God, why would God give you the vision and not give you the provision? God gave Nehemiah the vision and then he gave him access to the provision. And the king asked him, and this sounds like it's not a hard question to answer, but, but I've had this question asked to me before, and it's a difficult question for certain personality types to be able to answer. The king asked, what do you want? <laughs> what do you want? You see, sometimes the hardest question to answer when you've been a self-reliant person all your life and you've never been taught to lean on others, it's difficult to open your mouth and really say, especially when what you want is very expensive. It's one thing when you just want a, a, a stick of chewing gum. Yeah, I'll take a stick of gum. It's another thing if you need a half million dollars. King asked him, what do you want? But look at who asked him. The king asked him. He's, the king is, is accustomed to big talk. Kings are accustomed to talking big. You can't be a king and not be used to big talk. See, favor enables you to enjoy that which you didn't have to labor for. You didn't have to work for it. But with favor, you can still enjoy it. Favor brings you to a table you didn't have to buy. Favor feeds you food that you didn't have to go get at the grocery store. Somebody say favor. Favor opens up a door and brings you before people you could have never met on your own. Favor gives you this unearned, undeserved access to a realm of influence. He couldn't have gotten an appointment with the king, but he's having a big conversation with a big king, and he's got to have big faith to respond to this question. And the question for you this morning, right now, is what do you want? Say it. What do I want? Come on, say it again. What's it going to take? to bring a smile back to your face? What's it gonna take for you to live your life with purpose? What do you want? Do you know what you want or are you just existing? You see, this king is used to solving problems, so he says, what is it that you want? And the first thing Nehemiah did was pray. 
He prayed. He didn't even answer him without praying. I, I know he said, oh God, I don't want to mess this up. Let me get this right. And then he starts answering the king and he starts to tell him, he said, I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. So basically, he's asking for time off. <laughs> and then the king with the queen sitting there beside him says, well, how long will your journey take? And when are you going to be back? And it pleased the king to send him. So he set a time. So while the door was open, see, since you got to give me time off anyway, king, by the way, I was wondering if you could give me a letter for the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct and travel. And by the way, can I have a few soldiers to go with me, king? just to keep me safe. And you know, when I get back home, I'm going to need some wood, so I, I need you to underwrite my vision. Pastor David, this is in my notes. This is in, I'm not, I'm not ad-libbing. I need, I need, King, I need you to underwrite. Woo, I don't know if the air just kicked on or what. I think it's working today. I need you to underwrite my vision. See, if you believe this word, you ought to be shouting right now because this ought to be a sign to you that somebody's got wood for you. Somebody's got a load of wood. Somebody's got the security that you need this week. Somebody's got the help that you need. Somebody's got everything. It made me think of that song, if you want it, God's got it. He's got everything you need. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to today, but God sent me this morning to stir your faith. I know that. He's got everything you need. Somebody say everything. Old Nehemiah, he knew that the graciousness that was extended to him by the king came from God. God's going to use other people, I believe this, in this house today as we stand to our feet. God is going to use other people, please stand, all over this room to bless you. But he's not going to use other people to bless you when your vision is only you. I'm going to say that again. He's not going to bless you when your vision is only you. God is not going to give you the king's ransom when all you want is about you. God underwrote the budget for Nehemiah because Nehemiah was living bigger than just Nehemiah. And I'm telling each of you this morning, you have been purposely positioned. God knew it many years ago, Pastor. When Bishop Goldsberry and your mom, when y'all moved here. And I think how easy it is to get here. This is such a great highway and you're, you're just here. You're, you're here for a reason. But not only are you here in this location, you're in this area every day for a reason. Ministry doesn't just take place right here. I'm telling each of you this morning, you've been properly positioned for your purpose and anything you need in your life, God has it for you. Are there any needs here today? Anybody have a need? Raise your hand if you have a need. I want to know who I'm preaching to. Four of us. Everybody else has got it together. The rest of y'all just y'all just 
You're living at a thousand percent. If you have a need in your life, be honest. If you can't be honest with yourself, you can't be honest with God. I have a lot of needs. I'm telling you, God has the answer to every need. And for your vision of this house, He has the provision. We have a job to do, and that's everybody reach somebody. Just whisper to God, God, use me. Bow your head, close your eyes as pastor comes. Use me somehow, God. Use me. You have me here for a reason. You have me here for a reason. Use me, Lord. Use our church that you would receive glory.